With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, my name is Ali Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskinen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Yes! Ladies and gentlemen, the moment we've all been waiting for. We've talked about it for over a year on this program. And it is finally happening. The NHL has a seven-year deal to bring the game we all love back to the worldwide leader in sports. The league had a call today, Gary Bettman was on with the uh, chairman of ESPN and of some of their other sports properties talking about the deal. We're going to get into it later. Uh, A lot of excitement. I know I'm excited. Anthony and I talked about this on the Press Row Show. I know I'm more excited about it than he is, but it it is a massive deal for the league. There are other ramifications that this will have. Uh, Right off the top, very quickly, this means, and it was clarified by Gary Bettman today, ESPN is the majority rights holder in this deal. Uh, There is another part that is still being worked out. We will get into that later, but it was very clear that ESPN, the ESPN plus platform, Hulu, and we'll get into all that later. They are the main priority. They wanted to get this part of the deal done before they even engaged the idea of finishing something up with one of potentially other suitors. And he did say suitors. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but we would be remiss if we didn't start by talking about what happened on Tuesday night. Anthony, first of all, let's make sure that people know where to follow you at Ant San Philly on Twitter, on Instagram. You can follow the show at snow, the goalie, Twitter, Instagram, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie. How are you feeling? It's been about 24 hours since something happened that no one really expected. Okay, so first of all, I got to say I'm feeling really good because even though I'm, I may not be as excited as you are about the ESPN deal, and I'll explain why in a little bit, um, that is easily, in my mind, top two or three sports theme musics it, for any sport. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I just think that ESPN nailed it with that music it just reminds me of of gary thorne and bill clement getting ready for a huge playoff game in yep. you know the early to late 90s early 2000s really really just a great bit of music so it's it's cool i'm glad they they brought that back um, they did I confirm would, that today because yes, uh, john butchagross yeah. put it up on twitter he was like you want the you want the song back the song is back like that was 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I feel glad. I mean, I'm glad for guys like Bucci, um, who's who's a you know a big hockey guy. You know, ESPN's got a few um, a few folks that are that are you know hockey centric. Uh, for Steve Levy is really Linda Cohn's been holding down the fort with yeah. the in the crease show on ESPN Plus. Yeah. So yeah. And, and you know, and, and Le- Levy's Levy's an underrated play by play guy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, hopefully he'll get an opportunity to do some games. So. Uh, good for them. Um, but I know that you asked about Tuesday night and Tuesday night was the flyers five to four, um, shootout victory over the Buffalo Sabres never should have gone that long, but Hey, the flyers got the two points that they needed, which was important. Um, the game in and of itself was not great. Uh, early the flyers dominated pretty much the last 45 minutes of the game. Um, and and eventually won it after getting behind three to one um and all of that was secondary to carter hart and i mustn't i I gotta be honest russ i don't know if we expected to even speak to carter hart just to kind of give a, a little bit of um behind the scenes how how it usually works or how it used to work and now what our new normal is uh, as media Pre-pandemic, when it came time to go down to the locker room and interview players, the Flyers PR staff would come around to the media and ask us who we wanted to speak with in the locker room. So, you know, usually we gave them five or six names and, you know, we got most of them. I mean, every once in a while, somebody was unavailable or whatever, but for the most part, you got who you asked for. Nowadays, they don't even ask because we're not going down there, right? Nowadays, they pretty much decide who we're going to who we're going to speak with uh, on a on a nightly basis. So we just kind of have to, you know, I'm mean, actually even say nightly basis, even on practice days and morning skates and pregame, like whoever they we know we're getting the coach. That's a given. But then everyone else is kind of potluck. You know, hopefully you get somebody that, you know, you want to write about. I don't think last night was ever going to be in our minds a night that we were going to speak with Carter Hart. Carter had a terrible first period. He gave up three goals on eight shots. Um, he had to get pulled after the first period. Brian Elliott came in, um, settled everything down, and allowed the Flyers to come back and win the game. Um, but with, with Carter being as poor as he was and only playing the first 20 minutes, you know, we assume that the Flyers are going to give us Brian Elliott postgame. He's the goalie of record. He played most of the game. He stopped uh, both shots in the shootout. Kind of thought, that's who we're going to talk to. Now, Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, there's no doubt somebody in the media would have requested Carter Hart um, because he has not played well, and here he was getting pulled for the third time this season. Um, uh, So it certainly would have been a request, but I didn't think that the Flyers arbitrarily were going to give, give us Carter Hart. I thought that they would try and protect their player. To their credit, they didn't, and they put him out there for us to talk to them. Um, so let's let's play let's play the clip of uh, what happened. And well, are you playing just the clip of my question, or are you playing the whole interview? I was going to play the the clip of your question. Okay, well let me you, let me lead into that. Do you want you can... do you want me to? I mean, I could put the whole thing. No, 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 I mean, totally the whole thing fine, is four totally and a half fine. minutes. But I, I thought no, no, that no. a minute dropped. Okay, no, no, that's fine. So just to kind of lead into it, so we get Carter Hart post game, and. Um, I'm not, you know, by no surprise, you know, 
couple of reporters asked him about, you know, how he's, how he's playing or how, you know, things unfurled. Uh, there in the first period, in the first question is Sam Carcitti from the Enquirer, you know, asked him, A, what his confidence level was like, and B, does he feel like he's playing too far back in the net? Carter didn't really answer the second part. He only answered the first part, but kind of gave like a, um, a, a, you know, a, a, a quick answer. Didn't really kind of delve into anything. And then Ed Barkowitz, also from the Enquirer, asked him if he was surprised that he was pulled after the first period. Um, and I, you know, I've been told that he might have been a little bit, uh, perturbed at being pulled in the after the first period because it was only three goals um and he said no he said he wasn't he i hadn't wasn't playing well moose came in say that it was a quick quote then a couple of questions went to sean couturier who's sitting right next to him uh during this press availability and and by the way by the way let's set the stage because i'm sure people have seen the the clip but if you haven't if you only heard the soundbite sean couturier backwards cap leaning in confident Although, smart guy, leader on the team, knows that there is a potential here that the young netminder sitting next to him is not totally with it in the moment, is not totally feeling himself. And you want to talk about body language. The juxtaposition of Couturier, who had gone out and had a a solid game, had scored the first of the two shootout goals, versus Carter, Carter Hart's sitting next to him with baseball cap forward down over his eyes. You can barely see his eyes shoulders slunt, you know, slouched forward and looking very uncomfortable, looking like a kid who got called to the principal's office for the first time. Um, all right, now continue. So by the way, this isn't to rail on him. This is just, no, this no, is no. the body language. That's this is, this is I, cause I, I know how, I know how some people get, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after anybody today. But some people get really upset the second it's not not you're being critical. Painting, you're just we're painting setting the, the stage you're, you're because we're not a you know, it's not a video show. Could right. we put on YouTube? Maybe. Maybe we will someday. I don't know. <laughs> but for now, just setting the stage. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so there's a couple questions for Couturier. And uh, I had raised my hand like earlier, and I was thinking to myself, are they ever gonna, you know, you know, get get to me? Um and then the PR guy, Joe Seville, says uh, oh, a couple more questions. And then he throws it to me. And I brought it back to Carter. And this is what happened. Yeah, hi, uh, Carter. Um, AV mentioned um, a need to battle a little bit more in goal. But what, what do you think that means as far as from a goalie? Because it's, it's kind of hard to understand what, what a goalie needs to do to battle. So I'm just curious what your take is on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just need to find more ways to stop pucks. Like, um, just go out and play. Like, um, not overthink things. Um, and just trust my game because, uh, I don't know. It's just right now. And, um, I got just, I don't feel like myself. And I got to find a way to get back into playing, playing the game that I love and, and trusting the game that I've built. Um, yeah. Russ, that's a completely different guy. I, it doesn't even sound like Carter. It almost sounds like somebody else was filling in for Carter Hart last night. Uh, it, it almost sounds like, 
you know, that's why the hat was down over the eyes. And, you know, obviously you had the, the mask on for COVID and the sh- shoulder slump. For, it was almost as if it was a body double because it, do- it just didn't sound like him either. Um, just, it's not the way he talks. And it, it just, I can, I can remember as this was happening, I turned to you um, and, and a couple other of the media members that were sitting over by us, like, holy cow. Like we, we all knew right away that this was, this was not right. This was not normal. The, the, the thing that gets bleeped out there and the flyers bleeped it out, I guess, cause they didn't want to send out a video with a, um, one of their players cursing. Um, he, he basically said that he's, he's been shitty. Okay, that's the, that's the word that he used. Um, and then the transcription they sent around, they subbed in the word crappy instead of shitty. Uh, but that's not, <laughs> that's not even, you know, and I, gotta, I, I, I criticized them in, in my uh, post today on Crossing Broad, but, you know, NBC Sports Philly really, really dropped the ball on this Again. because th- they, they were so concerned about not letting that word get on the air that they cut the rest of his answer, which is the best part of his answer. And we're going to get into it in just a second, but they cut it so that the fans didn't even see it rather than, I mean, and this, they put it up a good five minutes, maybe seven minutes yep. after, after the interview. I mean, we watched it live uh, or yep. watched it um, uh, on, on, NBC on my Sports, phone, on, on your my phone. phone, which is on a, a delay even more than on TV. Right. right. Which so, is, yeah. So probably six ish minutes after, afterwards because and i and look i don't blame them because they they botched the jake voracek mike sealski thing right. so badly uh okay. with an f-bomb on tv but Hello? you have five minutes you have five learn, minutes learn it takes how to bleep something out even just, just a, a momentary mute a drop you do that live on the it's radio a, with like a, a what a seven second delay seven what are we doing this what is a doing? major market television station that can't figure it out to freak out anyway so the fans missed the best part of the answer and it's not that he said that word. The best part of the answer, there's two things. One, he says, I don't feel like myself. What it, I mean, to me, that is, and you can tell me if you agree or not, but to me, that is an athlete saying, I don't know how to fix what's wrong. Somebody please help me. Right? I mean, that's how I interpret that. I interpret that I don't feel like myself as I don't, I don't know how to get out of this. I mean, do, do you agree with that? I mean, I, I think that that's, that's kind of where that's, that's headed. And then if you tie it, anybody who's ever coached before has probably had a player that you've, you've had to have that conversation with. And sometimes this is like, I guess one of the negatives of hockey in, in this case, especially for a goalie, you don't have the benefit of necessarily, I mean, unless you call timeout, you don't really have the benefit of taking that moment to to catch up, to see what they're seeing, to to get in their head for a moment. And you know, like if, if you coach a youth sport, if you coach middle school, high school, your other co-hosts over on Crossed Up, Bob Wankel could explain this as well as anybody else. But like when you know that you have a player who is lacking confidence, that you that you opt to go back to again in the hopes that they're going to have a positive moment, find something to build on. And it doesn't happen. This is the kind of thing you hear. And he, he's at a loss. And there are a few reasons that I think he's especially at a loss with this. I don't want to derail where you're going, but 
this whole homestand was setting up perfectly for the Carter Hart Redemption Tour. And that might be hyperbolic, but the whole thing was setting up really well for him. Brian Elliott had a had an iffy game on, what was that, Sunday? Saturday. On the road, Saturday. They were coming home. It was perfectly set up for Carter goes back in net, at home, low stress, game against the Caps, usually have pretty decent success against Washington. Fans in the stands for the first time, get that adrenaline boost. The team comes out, you know, hot conceptually. The team comes out hot, gets a goal or two. You build confidence. Boom, Carter Hart's back. There's no, the goalie controversy thing is funny. We put it in quotes, but like, there's no real issue there. Carter Hart builds himself up and we say, all right, now, now with this week, you have three against the Caps. You get the first one down. You let him build his confidence again, take on the Sabres, get redemption for earlier this year when they chased him in the third game of the season. I know that he came back with a, a shutout uh, the last time they played, but you go into that and then maybe you give Brian Elliott one of the two starts later in the week against the Caps. It's all set up perfectly. And then this happens. The, the, the problem is that Carter in that first game against Washington was iffy. Carter needed to have a good game against Buffalo. And I think the fact that he was unable to weather the storm even in the first period and then gets pulled by his coach and he's probably already, you know, has some second guessing in his mind because this to me was like Elaine Vigneault saying, I'm going to give you one last shot to get yourself out of this. I've said this for, for a while now. People didn't like it originally and some people are like oh you're patting yourself on the back no Elaine Vino at some point is going to have to do the math on this and I've said it for weeks I've said it for a month now month and a half two months I don't know in a shortened season you can't let the young netminder figure it out if it leads to your team losing Brian Elliott can't keep coming in off the bench saving the day He's got to be in a rhythm. Like at some point you're running the risk. If Brian Elliott's just going to keep coming in off the bench to bail this team out, or you're going to have to write him for multiple games in a row, you're potentially putting your backup who by many metrics has had a better season than Carter Hart. You're putting him at risk, which means you conceptually could be in a situation where, because your young netminder hasn't done well, you could see Felix Sandstrom who just got called up to the taxi squad or Alex Lyon having to serve as the backup to a struggling 22 year old goalie. So like there is a cascading effect that could happen. And if you're Carter Hart, you are cognizant of this. He's a smart kid. He's been with a sports psychologist since he was a teenager. He's always been even keel. This is probably the first real struggle that he has had in his life in this sport in a meaningful way. And the but he's he's not dumb. He knows what the stakes were. He knew what the stakes were in the first game against Washington. He knew that his coach was going back to him. And he didn't get the job done. And then Brian Ellie goes in, does a solid job. And once again, it's just you're starting to even see people who have defended him blindly blindly has a negative connotation, but like have not wanted to be critical. You're now starting to see people saying, Man, this is this is concerning. Like people that I people that I see people that have shows that are typically very positive about Carter Hart are now saying this is kind of a problem now. And Carter Hart's a smart kid and he's 22 and we've all, we have all been there. 
we've all been 22 before, but we've never had the pressure of being the number one goalie, the guy that like some fan groups had been saying was going to be a dark horse Vezina candidate. We haven't had that kind of pressure and he's human and he's going to feel it. And the fact that it has not gone well and this perfect scenario that was setting up for him has gone to absolute garbage is not good for him. And that's what I think you saw manifest itself in that press conference. And I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know how he picks things up. I, I obviously hope that, you know, today he got up, shakes it off, goes back, goes back to the grind. But Elaine Vigneault game, and I, I want you to talk to this because we bantered about this in press row yesterday, but like Elaine Vigneault isn't playing games at this point. He, he's got to get this team back on the right track. You cannot continue to fall in the standings in this division. They broke a two-game losing streak. They had to go to a freaking shootout against the worst team, potentially, at least fewest points, in the entire league. Brian Elliott's going to start one or both of these games, right? So, like, where do we go from here? Well, um, that was a lot, Russ. Because <laughs> there's more I want to get to on Carter. But the answer you're... Last question first. Um, I think Brian Elliott starts both games against Washington. And I think Carter Hart gets back in next week in one of the games against the Rangers because the Rangers are a little bit less competitive of a team. Not to say that they're not a team that can win a game. They certainly can. I, I, I think the Rangers are, are headed in the right direction ultimately. But um, I think that's when Carter gets back in. Um, but I, I thought Vigneault said it, the, what he said after the game, last night was most interesting and it was like you know we need to win and you know basically you know he, yeah they need carter to come around they need him to in order for the flyers to win carter hart has to be part of the equation um even if brian now even if he rides brian elliott a little bit here until hart gets right uh they still need hart the, the schedule is just too complex it's too con it's too um com compressed in order for uh, for one goalie to carry the load to they need both goalies. So they need him, but he has said, if he needs to go to, you know, basically he said, if I need to go the route of Brian Elliott, then that's what we'll have to do. Um, and what's the problem with the, the, the hypothetical that you've thrown out about him having to, to go back in against the Rangers. It's a road game. And some people really liked to, to attack the notion that Carter wasn't good on the road last year. Yeah. It was just a fluke. It was, a, you know, it was, it was a small subset. It wasn't. If you go back to last year, Carter Hart, 25 games played at home, 18 games played on the road difference between a 0.943 save percentage at home versus a 0.857 save percentage on the road. 1.63 goals against at home, 3.81 goals against on the road. That's not just like some tiny sample size. You look at the numbers this year. He's obviously played more games at home than he has on the road. Eight to seven. The save percentage is a little bit better at home. 895 versus on the road. 881. But that's not inspiring confidence. His goals against on the road has been even worse. 3.85 versus 3.36 at home. I, like, I'm sorry. But like, I know what you're saying. But if there's if there's a time to get him out of this, like it has to be one of those Washington games. Like he's got to build something up at home because 
the idea of, of saying, Hey man, we, we just had to start your backup three out of four games. We had to bail you out in one of them. Go get a win on the road at Madison square garden. Like I, I, I don't see it. I don't. Well, I, I don't do. see that being. I don't see that being. A, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying I don't see that being the springboard. Well, I, I'll tell which you, which is what I, compounds the problem in this scenario not working out I, this I, week. I don't think coaches really put much stock in the whole um, home versus away thing, especially if it's just the one season. Really, I mean, you, you said that. I mean. Yes, there is a a slight disparity this year, but it's not nearly as, you know, a wide a gap as it was last season, right? I mean, because he was really good. He was the lead at home last year. That's why the gap isn't as big. 1.63 goals against at home. Of course, the gap was bigger last year. He's been garbage on the road. Listen, we like Carter Hart. Good kid. 22. He's been bad on the road. He's been pretty bad at home. There's, There's no getting around this. What, like I'm saying, the, what I'm the, saying to you is, it, so this season, he's been bad everywhere. So it doesn't yeah. matter where he's where he gets right. It doesn't matter where he's playing to get right. You can't rely on. Well, he was good at home last year, so we got to we got to get him back going again at home this year. You yeah, but I'm. I mean, but it's more likely, just based on his career track record, that he you would you would feel better about getting him back in the right mental space okay. at home. Any Fine. player, you would think any player. Fine, would... but but I, you, right now, after last night, I can't see how you get him back by Saturday. I can't. He needs the time. He needs the time off. He needs to, you know, he worked after practice with Kim Delabaugh extra today. That happened, and I'm sure that that's going to continue to happen. And I think that it needs to happen until he feels comfortable. And I don't think it's just going to be one day and he's comfortable again. That's not, I don't, I don't see that as a thing, right? I think it's going to take a little bit more than that. Do you then say, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can make Brian Elliott start all the games next week. I think Carter has to play. Next you can't week. No, Well, that's the other problem is Brian Elliott's 35 and you can't, if you continue to ride him, ride him, ride him. We have seen it before and we will see it again. Eventually his body's going to give out on him. And that is the worst case scenario because he has been better. This is well, fine. I'll just piss everybody off. You can't continue to go to the well all season. If you are a, a person who's been like all in on Carter Hart and thinks that Brian Elliott's garbage, the numbers don't back you up. There are practically no numbers to back you up. And the number one thing that, that people tend to come back to is this notion that, well, you know what? The defense sucks regardless. The defense is absolute garbage. The defense has been bad, okay? The defensive scheme, the defensive system has not been executed well. I don't think there's anybody that would sit here and try to tell you that, like, the Flyers have an elite defensive core right now uh, that is not in need of any kind of a trade upgrade, right? But, like, the fact still remains. They play in front of the same, for the most part, COVID notwithstanding, they play in front of the same or behind the same Guys, 3.61 goals against for Carter Hart in 15 games. 2.29 goals against for Brian Elliott in seven games. He's the backup. Two-thirds of the starts have gone to Carter Hart. A third have gone to Brian Elliott. Fine. Like, I I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm like, at some point, somebody has to explain to me why it is that Brian Elliott 
is able to steal games for you, is able and is called upon and has been this season to be the guy who writes the ship before they try to hand it back over to the person that people thought some people, a vocal minority thought was going to be the dark horse Vezina candidate. Like, do we just go with the team knew that Carter Hart at his ceiling is a better goalie. They take more risks when he is in net because they think he can bail them out versus the backup where you're going to play a more defensively sound system. You're going to play a lot more conservative because you don't think he can steal you a game. Is that what this is? Cause I don't think that's what it is. It's something far simpler. It's something far simpler. It's when you look at the rest of what he said in my question last night, I got to get back to the game. I love and what I built. Very important words there. Because there was a change in the way Carter Hart is playing goal this season that was brought on by off-season training with Dustin Schwartz. I, I don't want to kill Dustin Schwartz. He's the Edmonton Oilers goalie coach. He was a, a goalie coach in junior hockey before then. It's not like this guy is some, you know, somebody who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, so there, <laughs> this is not, you know, this is oh, not Drew Hanlon with Markel Fultz. Is right. No, this, is, this, yeah, is, this is, this is not some guy who's just, you know, destroyed someone forever. But what, what happened was, is that I think Carter took with him, from the conversations that he had um, with the Flyers at the end of the season, the things he needed to work on, and he brought them back to Dustin Schwartz, and Dustin offered some suggestions that Carter has put into his game that have not worked. They just have not worked. Um, and that's what you're seeing. Um, that's why Carter is struggling. And when you hear him say, I have to get back to the doing the things in the game, I, to, to playing the game I love and doing it, the way I the way I built it yeah. and that tells you that he's really frustrated that he that the that he's mad at the game he's mad at hockey right now okay he's mm -hmm. mad at the sport but he's going to get back to it and he's got to play the way he used to play now that sounds good and it's it's and I, this is why I still believe in him because it's it's like he he recognizes what the problem is he knows what the problem is the issue is is it's not something that can be corrected overnight it's not something that can be fixed in the midst of a um a season where you're playing every other night and you only have three practices a month it just can't okay this is something that really needs a lot of time and a lot of practice a lot of you know work on the ice um with just guys shooting at you left right and center um and really kind of figuring it out and that's why goalies try and address these things in the offseason. And he tried, and it was it just look, this offseason was a disaster. I have full confidence that next offseason, Carter Hart will get back to doing the things he does well. And next season he'll be a much better goalie. But it's going to be a battle for him from here to the end of this season to kind of figure that out because it's he's he's going to try and retrain his instincts and that's why maybe he second guesses should i do this should i not do that he's late reacting you could see 
the, the, the mouse on the wheel, right? I mean, it's yep. it's trying to figure it out, and and you're trying to do it in an instant, in in milliseconds, and and be able to save a puck, and and that's and that's why it's not working, okay? And Brian Elliott, and you say, well, why is it working with Brian Elliott? Well, Brian Elliott is a guy who's 35 years old, whose game hasn't changed in more than a decade, and he just keeps doing the thing that he thinks he's always done. It's, it's muscle memory. It's rote, okay? So yeah. that's why it works for him, and it's not working for Carter Hart right now. And, and that's, not a, that's not a knock on Carter. I mean, it, you know, it was interesting. Um, uh, Father, <laughs> the Flyers' former chaplain, um, who uh, everyone uh, belovedly calls Fred, but uh, uh, Father Ed, he um, pointed out on Twitter last night that – in 1983-84, Pelly Lindbergh was having a dreadful year. He won Rookie of the Year in 82-83, won the Calder. And then 84-85, he won the Vezina. The year in between winning the Calder Trophy and winning the Vezina Trophy, he was so bad the Flyers sent him down to the AHL. Okay? And it was the same concept. It's a guy who made some adjustments that didn't work out was just having a bad year and now in a regular season you could probably get away with sending your starting goalie down to the AHL for a little bit of time because you have more you know a more spread out schedule maybe he only misses you know four or five games or something like that um this in this instance if you're sending Carter Hart down for two weeks he's missing eight to ten games you can't have that happen especially considering they're all division games and everyone matters in the playoff race so that's that's the other that's the other facet of it so you look at it and say, okay, if that happened in the past, and, and I can tell you his, his idol, Carey Price, had a very similar situation uh, occur with him when he was a young goalie. Then you know that he can be right and he can be fixed. The, the question is, is that was this the right choice? Was this the right decision? How will the Flyers react to this? Will they be mad and say, you can no longer go to Dustin Schwartz in the offseason? I mean, to be fair, if you look at Tristan Jarry, who is Carter Hart's buddy, who also trained with Dustin Schwartz in the offseason, his numbers are not very good either as the starting goalie for the Penguins. His goals against and, and save percentage are a little bit better than Hart's, but not much. His goals against is 3.06 with a 900 save percentage, neither of which are good. Um, so it makes you wonder that if, if this was something that, you know, has had such an adverse effect on now two NHL goalies, is that, is that the path that they're going to want those goaltenders to take next offseason? Um, I know it doesn't resolve the problem right now, and everybody's an, everybody's an in-the-moment kind of person. You know, they want, to see the, they want to see the results now and not wait until October of 2021. They want to see this team play well now and make the playoffs and make, go on a run, and they want Carter Hart to be the guy. But guess what? It might, it might not be that at this point. And that's okay for a 22-year-old goalie. You have to accept the fact that he's still so, so young. You don't have to accept it if you're Les Bowen. <laughs> so last night, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm, I'm getting ready to tuck in. And I see that Les Bowen has Hospital corners me. on your bed? What's that? Hospital corners on your sheets. Isn't that the thing where you – is that the tight tuck? Is that what that the is? The tight tuck at the – Yeah. You always do the tight tuck. Absolutely. Do you really? I hate it. Yeah. My feet get Why? all restricted and then I got to like kick the sheets. You have off. to remember I'm short. So it's not my feet don't reach the bottom of the bed. Well, yes, that's true. You are short. Positive. Yeah. 
Thanks for yeah. that. I appreciate it. I get, you know, that's what I get for, for making the gritty comment about you the other night. Um, <laughs> so Les Bowen quote tweets me last night and I started getting all these like nasty responses from people. I'm like, I didn't even do anything. What, Les, what are you doing? Les got upset because I, I brought up the fact and we've touched on this, but like the fact that I said, I didn't think the Carter Hart should have been available to the media. Like I thought that was an issue. Um, and that, He's he has been bad uh, at different points of the season and that he's going to get better. But like he shouldn't have been there and Les took that to be you can't be critical. You know, like, how dare you, uh, you know, pull up because, you know, he's a pro athlete and he's like, you're a journalist, right? I don't know if I'd call myself a journalist, but um, we, we eventually smoothed it over. He called Things you were a fine. reporter. He didn't call you a journalist. Are you sure? Did he say reporter? Yes, the word was reporter. They're pretty much the same thing to me. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> I am neither. I am just a. I am just a person. Yeah, you're right. He says, "Um, you're a reporter, right? He's a pro athlete getting paid, not a high school freshman. I understand your empathy, but this is kind of what the job is all about. Yours and his. We had a back and forth. Everything's fine. I do want to point out. Uh, there was a person who responded to me and was like, pretty much like, shove your like, take the empathy and shove it. And then I clicked on them. And one of their uh, statements in their bio was Jesus will set you free. And I was like, ah, yeah, I remember that part of the Bible when Jesus said, empathy, shove it. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Interesting. Anyway, uh, can we get off of the, the Carter Hart issue now? Is there anything else that you want? Or can we can we move on? Is that OK? Well, we can move on. I guess my only response for the less thing is that. Again, it was like I said at the beginning, we were not expecting Carter. And I think that you saying that he shouldn't have been part of it is more that the Flyers, like nobody requests, it's not like anybody requested him and you're saying, oh, well, he shouldn't have been part of this press conference. I think you were saying the Flyers should have protected their own player and not let him have to face those questions because they are choosing who we talk to. Um, It wasn't even, yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was just, because of the circumstance, because he was chased in the first period, right. I can't think. I mean, you've you've covered the team for two decades. I I know that I can't think of a single time where a guy was chased that early in a game and then was brought out to to the media scrum after. I can think of times when a guy has gotten pulled between the second and third period and then was requested and, and came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. I guess it's just because Hart's been struggling. Look, yeah. one of us would have re- would have requested him. So, I mean, I, I, again, this is why the Flyers win the Dillman Award uh, mm-hmm. repeatedly um, for having the best PR staff. And it's, it's because they realize, they recognize that this is a player that the media would want to talk to. Um, could they have protected their player a little bit? A little bit? Sure, they could have. Um, but they didn't. And I, I give them high marks for that and and you know what this is where i agree with less you know carter's got to realize now i mean he's been a guy who's won everywhere he's been at every at every level he's been one of the best players at every level and now he's facing adversity for the first time in his career um if this was junior hockey or you know midget hockey or something yeah we should sympathize yeah we should go you know whatever this man is a professional hockey player getting mm-hmm. paid a good salary to play at the highest level in the best league in the world. He, in that case, he needs to face the, you know, face the music. 
And to Carter's credit, he always has. He's never been a guy to shy away from it, okay? Um, but this is where Les is right, that you know, the Flyers did the right thing by not shielding him, by not protecting him. When in the past, there were some general managers who probably would have shielded him and protected him and prevented him from speaking to us last night. I want to go back. One who's uh, a GM in the other side of the state right now. Ah, there it is. I want to go back to what we led the show with, because I think this is a positive and I'd like to end on a positive note tonight. If that's all right, you're going to end. I got something else. What else do you want to do? Fine. Let's do the other thing. I, I'm excited about ESPN. Go ahead. We can do what's, ESPN now if you no, want to see. What's the other thing you want to talk about? Well, Did we talk I, about this before the show? Or are you just like throwing, no, you like going rogue talk, here? How can you say we didn't talk about this before the show? Are you not going off of our outline that has been meticulously planned? <laughs> are you kidding me right now? We did talk about this. Did um, we? There's been some. Oh! Oh! <laughs> the... <laughs> The way that you can get Carter Hart fixed yes. would probably be by getting some more reliable defensemen in front of him. For more <laughs> on the Flyers' efforts to do so, we go to the intrepid reporter slash journalist, Anthony Sanfilippo. Anthony, what are you hearing yes. on the trade front? All's quiet. You got the teletype going. Front. You got the teletype going in the background. You got that ready oh, to go. Man, if I'd have known that, I would have uh, <laughs> I'd have had that queued up on the soundboard, but it's okay. Well, we'll just no, have to make um, it work. There's been some scuttlebutt. I mean, this is not when I tell you that there's been some scuttlebutt about the Flyers and Nashville talking about Matias Ekholm, that's nothing new, right? We've heard this for a little over a month now. I think it was first reported by um, Pierre Lebrun and the Athletic. Uh, you know, back in early February, I want I want to say it might have been late, even late January, um, that uh, the Flyers were going to be one of the teams interested in in Ekholm. Um, and then, of course, we had last week or two weeks ago, uh, there was the Phantoms were playing uh, at home in Lehigh Valley, and all of a sudden, some Nashville Predator scouts started showing up, and you got to wonder why the hell are the scouts there at a Nashville Predators game? I mean, at a um, uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms game when A, the Phantom, the Flyers and the Predators don't play this season, and B, neither of their farm teams play each other this season. So there's only one reason to be there as a scout, and it's to look at players. Um, Hold the phone. I'm just playing with the soundboard now. Go ahead. What do you got going on back there? Um, anyway, so uh, I could just tell you just kind of like updating the scuttlebutt. There's some um, behind-the-scenes conversation that the Flyers and, and Predators may have <laughs> maybe a little bit more enga engaged in conversation about this trade at this point. Um, I've heard a few things. Wait, are you saying the Flyers might actually get it? Might get a defenseman? I just think that I just think that there have been some conversations. I don't think that there's anything that's you know that's definite. Um, could it hap Could it come together quickly? Uh, before we record another episode? Sure, it certainly could. Uh, could it drag on closer to the trade deadline? Absolutely could. But I'm also hearing that if the Flyers do work out a deal with Nashville, they would also uh, be interested in more than one player. And another player that they would be interested in is Victor Arvidsson. Um, hey! Yes. A forward? Yeah. Is that are, are you talking about the same Victor Arvidsson who is just three seasons removed from a 
34 goal campaign in just 58 games yes. following up a, a 29 goal season in 2017, 18 and a 31 goal season in 2016, 17, that, that Victor arts, that, that, that one, that guy. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and he's just I'm interested. Seven years old, I think maybe 28. Um, so, and he's signed for, you know, multiple years, three more. Uh, so, at a $4.25 million cap hit, uh, th- yeah, three more seasons beyond this one. Right. So what, I'm, what I've been told is that there's been some discussion there um, with Nashville potentially, uh, you know, keeping some of Arvidsson's money over the course of the, the remaining four years. Um, and that the Flyers would have to give up a couple of high draft picks. Uh, plus a couple of existing contracts on the roster. Um, I know everybody's just going to just roll their eyes if I threw Gostas Bear's name back out there again. But there's a guy on Twitter who who went after us again today about uh, or it was yesterday when we said Ghost had a had a goal. He's like, I thought he was awful and that he's getting traded. Well, maybe he will. Yeah, maybe he, Anthony's maybe he whole reputation hangs on ghost getting traded. Um, point. I, no, I'm just saying that, you know, it, it would make sense because his money would match up um, and that Eric Gustafson would probably also go um, in this, in this potential trade. So, um, so it's just something that maybe some, some conversation back and forth between the predators and, and the flyers uh, just keep that under your hat a little bit. If you start hearing these names coming about and ba- being bandied about, if, if that means something's getting a little bit closer, um, but I, I do think that that would be a, a, a good deal for the Flyers because it would help in two places. Um, you know, Ekholm would, would automatically become a top pair defenseman, um, and Arvidsson would allow you to reposition some of your forwards into places that they're more successful. Um, and in this case, I think it would bump Scott Lawton uh, down to a center spot on the fourth line. And it probably bumps Nolan Patrick out of the lineup. Um, so that's an interesting combination uh, of players that could potentially come here. I was also told um, that the Flyers have also begun kicking the tires with Buffalo on defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen, which would surprise me a little bit um, that he that Buffalo would want to move on from him. Um, Ristolainen is first of all, if he came here, he would be beloved just because of the way he plays. He's it's, it's such a nasty physical game and he's a pretty solid defenseman too. It's not like he's, it's not like he's some kind of slug, um, but he signed for 5.4 uh, the rest of this year and next year as well. So I, it, it to me, if it's, if you're going wrist line and you're not going at home, it's, I think it's one or the other. I don't think there's any way they can make it work where they get both, especially, considering you would have to move that much more salary and you have to take into consideration the expansion draft uh, in the summer for Seattle. So I think you go one of the, one of those two guys, um, but, but not both. So, uh, you know, just keep, just keep, keep your eye out for that conversation to potentially uh, circle back. I, I was told by uh, someone uh, very high up um in the organization that nothing is imminent, nothing, it's been a quiet week. Um, but I was also told by someone else in the organization 
that this conversation with Nashville has taken place. So somebody's not telling me the truth. <laughs> but usually when that happens, I tend to err on the side of there's at least been conversation. Um, that's why I'm not going to sit here and report it as you know, the deal is almost done. We almost got a deal ready to go. I'm not going that far. Um, I'll just go out and tell you that I, that I, I firmly believe that that conversation has, has taken place. The Arvidsson inclusion or the potential of it is interesting. And, and, you know, I think the thing that'll catch people's ear is the idea that Nolan Patrick could come out of the lineup. Do you know how many games it's been since uh, Nolan Patrick has scored a point? 16, I think 16 games that he has been shut out. And the, the concerning thing, like, listen, I'll say training camp early in the season, hands look quick. He was on that line with JVR and Jake Voracek. There was a lot of potential and he looked like he was not a man possessed, but he looked like he was really ready to, to rebound. And there was that awkward exchange during one of the uh, the media availabilities where he didn't want to talk about his health. And you said at the time, you can get away with that as long as you produce. And if you don't, then the question right. is going to be, it's going to be fair to ask questions about health, about coming back. And you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt as much because right. you're going to be held we, accountable. You're going to be held accountable yeah. for your play. If you, if and, you don't and think so, your health is, is worth discussing, then fine. Then everything that you do wrong is going to be put in the spotlight. And so this is where I come back to, you know, and I said earlier that I think Vino has, um, it's, it's not like he's on his last, um, his last chance here with Carter Hart to figure things out. Um, but I, I look at what happened with Nolan Patrick on Tuesday night's game. He goes out, like he sends Nolan Patrick out as the, the second shooter for the team with a chance to in effect, win the game. And Nolan Patrick pays off has great moves and shootouts. I mean, he, that was one thing that definitely stood out during training camp is I thought that the two best finishers uh, were, were him and, and Ivan Provorov, oddly enough, you have to hope that putting him in that position and him succeeding makes something click because I, I think you're right. Like, I think that he's a lot closer to coming out of the lineup than a lot of people might want to believe. You have to hope that this is, is like one positive thing. He finds the back of the net. Sure. It's in the skills competition as Vigneault would say, but that to me, like I, I, at some point you're going to have to start really wondering how long you can stick with him in this lineup. He's not a fourth line center. He's just not. And if he's, and when he was, playing with guys who are legitimate goal scoring threats, legitimate playmakers, and he still wasn't on the score sheet. It's fair to question a a few things here. So, I mean, I I will hope for his sake. And I think we both will, because I said how many times that the team ceiling is higher. If Nolan Patrick plays up to his potential, because then you have a, a heck of a three C, but they've tried the wing, they've tried center, they've tried fourth line center. Hopefully the shootout gets them going. Well, you know, in a week when we're talking about this on the show, you know, hopefully we can say that was the moment in the season where something clicked for Nolan Patrick and, you know, maybe he doesn't light the world on fire, but he's at least a solid contributing player to this team. 
Now, can we please get into the thing that I want to get into? Yeah, go ahead. You're like a kid at Christmas. Go. So the NHL and ESPN, NHL and ESPN, they announced today, they confirm the seven-year deal on a TV contract that will see ESPN get four of the next seven Stanley Cup finals. Obviously, that means that there is going to be another network involved in getting those other three. Um, But included in the deal is 25 regular season games being aired on ESPN or ABC, early, early round playoff series, and one conference final each year. In addition, there are 75 games, 75 national ESPN-produced exclusive telecasts that will be happening on ESPN Plus and Hulu. In addition to that, there are another 1,000 games that are going to be streaming on ESPN+. Plus. This will take the place of what had been, and, and still is through the end of the season, NHL.TV, which is you know effectively like NHL center ice, but on the, the web version. So the rights um, in not just the U.S., but also in Latin America, the Caribbean, and different parts of Europe are also part of the deal. That's a big deal. We had we had one of our listeners reach out from Australia asking what that means for them. Uh, I honestly don't know. I think it's just incredible that somebody in Australia would stay up uh, or would watch the games. Uh, I don't know what the time difference is. Is it like 14 hours, 16 hours, something like that, something crazy? But kudos to them. Um, this is a big deal. And, you know, you and I on the Press Row Show on Tuesday night, we were – we had a disagreement on just how big of a difference because the raw numbers, I believe, between NBC Sports uh, Network, which was like 80-ish million, 79 million, and ESPN, which is in 93% of the households uh, in the country, I believe is just under 90 million. That's not a gigantic jump. But we did talk about the fact that ESPN, I think, is the network that you would obviously go to more. It's a network that you might, if you're a sports fan, have playing in the background. And there is that inherent rub that comes from being on ESPN, having games being advertised during other programming, have it being advertised during NBA games or during MLB games. Also during, you know, Monday Night Football certainly helps. So now, without crapping all over this, give your thoughts. It's great for the league and the players because this is new revenue coming in and they do a 50-50 split in the in the NHL. So as far as the league is concerned and the players are concerned, this is a positive. This is a big positive. And, you know, it, it's there's nothing wrong with um, getting ESPN to care about hockey again because one of the things when they stopped having games broadcast uh, on their network – they really stopped doing highlights and stopped talking about it. And I know that the sports center is not the same anymore. It's not just a highlight show like it used to be, Um, but they don't even really talk about hockey. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Kenny Maine does his show. They don't, they don't really, uh, I mean, not Kenny Maine, geez, Kenny Maine, Scott Van Pelt. That's where I'm, Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to say. Uh, SVP. um, He doesn't really even, bring it up unless it's like the Stanley cup final. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of just forgotten about sport so that it's good in that regard that it's going to be talked about again. And, you know, hockey fans can stop hating ESPN from a fan. Uh, By the way, by the way, Gary Bettman did 
like I, I was actually a little bit surprised that he was he was actually a little bit critical. He said and alluded to the fact that like ESPN has kind of ignored hockey while the rights have been exclusively with NBC. And he mentioned the fact that by virtue of this deal, both sides are energized to do bigger things because now there's that incentive, right? Because now that ESPN owns the rights. And like I said, at the top of the show, they own what I think are going to be the majority rights. Uh, they are clearly the, the, the bigger entity that it's going to be part of this deal. There's now an incentive. All right, go ahead. Sorry. No, fans. I mean, that, You're that's, saying all, that's all well and good. So that's all the positives for fans. I, I don't know. I don't see it. Like, I think that hockey fans are hockey fans and they will find a game wherever it's being broadcast, mm -hmm. whatever network it's on. You go back, you know, 15 years and it was on the outdoor life network. Fans found the channel. Like they, if, if you wanted to watch the game, you found a way to watch the game. Um, and the streaming stuff is great. I mean, that's, you know, you know, we're in that generation now where more people are streaming stuff than actually being hardwired into cable. So, um, so that's awesome that they're going to put stuff on ESPN plus and, and uh, Hulu. And that's, that's good. By um, the way, Hulu, sorry, people have been asking why they would put any games on Hulu. ESPN plus right now has 12 million subscribers. Hulu has just under 40 million. That's why. Yeah. And they're tied together. I mean, I, I'm a Hulu subscriber. Um, and the package is Hulu, Disney Plus, and, and ESPN Plus is all together, like right? I mean, thirteen ninety nine. I think they said it's going to go up to fifteen ninety nine or something right. like that. Okay. By um, the way, they said that this is going to be available for the base package, so they they didn't say that this won't be part of like that five ninety nine if all you want is ESPN Plus. Right. So, nice. well, so so yeah. So I mean, that's good stuff. But again, I I, I don't think hockey is a sport that constantly draws in casual fans who become become hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. I think there are casual hockey fans, but I think that they're always going to be casual. And so they'll check in every, if they come across it. Oh, okay. And then, but it's not like they're going to seek it out. So you might get a little bit, you're going to get a little bit of a bump, obviously, because there's more people have ESPN than have NBC Sportsnet. Um, but how much of a bump? I mean, like I don't. I think it's. I think it's minor. I don't think it. I don't think it moves the needle, a little bit. Um, so, I don't know. Like I said, it's good for the league. It's good for the players. Um, anytime you can bring in that kind of revenue, especially with this league being in a situation where it's going to have a flat cap, right? And and a lot of teams lost money because of the pandemic. This is good news for the league. Uh, it, it makes it. It makes it more. Um, uh, more soluble, I guess. Um, but again, I don't, I don't, I just don't get excited about the networks that carry the sports. Like, I, you know, if I want to watch a game, I know where to find it. I'll look it up and I'll find it. Like I, that's it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get excited. Oh, ESPN. So like, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't worship their altar. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I'm, I don't either. I think it's just one of the things that they said in this, um, in this press conference today was ESPN identified that the NHL since 2005 has had the biggest growth in that 18 to 49 demo. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you know all about this demo, but like that's the one that advertisers really focus in on and that there has been greater growth in hockey in that 18 to 49 demo than anything else. 
And they said that uh, over the last few years, especially even some of the other younger demos. So when you um, like do a, a, a smaller cross section of that, that group itself, you're seeing more enthusiasm and a higher engagement in hockey than you are in some of the other pro leagues. Uh, the, the ESPN executive, uh, Jimmy Pitaro, he, he actually said that the NHL has seen uh, a bigger uptick than any of the other major professional leagues, which might seem kind of crazy. Like the, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know where, where you would think that this would land. I mean, we, we all know that baseball trends older football is really trending older. You would think that basketball would continue to, to see young fans get excited. Soccer is obviously you hate soccer, but like there is a growing affinity for soccer because it's more easily accessible. The best players that are playing in Europe are easily accessible through streaming. I like this because if you think about the habits of viewers, NBC sports network does not have any attractive sports property outside of the NHL. The EPL is it. That's their crown jewel. I don't know how many EPL fans are looking to find hockey. The inverse of that is the, the NHL having this kind of crossover appeal with, with, you know, ESPN, you're seeing, I I guess like from my perspective, I see the rub that you get from seeing advertisements while people are watching NBA games or during Monday night football or during the baseball season and it's just another thing to be like, oh man, okay, cool. Hockey's back on ESPN because more people just tend to turn on ESPN. Like I actually think that the number of households that networks are in can also be misleading because I would have to imagine that like on a morning, more people are probably tuned into ESPN two than they are to NBC sports network. I would bet that like some of the random things going on ESPN plus might even have more viewers than NBC sports network in the morning, in the afternoon when like all kinds of nonsense is running. So, you know, for somebody that is a, uh, a hardcore hockey fan that is going to find the game regardless, I think you're right. But I do think that there's value here. I, I, I really do. And I think that once, and this is the question that I wanted to ask and I screwed up because I'm pretty sure that I was told to unmute and I didn't because I thought it was a glitch. I think that the biggest thing and I, I, I want to see where ESPN goes with this, not just with hockey, but with other sports. They brought up that mega cast. And the mega cast is the thing that they do during some of the big games. You see it during the college football playoffs where they do multiple telecasts. You know, they, they have a different crew on one of the digital feeds. They'll have one that's like a fantasy sports-based one. You'll have one that's more of an analytics thing. But I wonder at what point ESPN dips their toes into the sports betting game. I wonder at what point do they start to try to monetize the legalization of sports betting? There is a legitimate chance that at some point you might see one of those streams pop up. And that I think is where things get really interesting. Uh, ESPN, the executive, by the way, also brought up that every deal that they've worked on in the last couple of years have included this ESPN plus part. You think of the German Bundesliga, Serie A rights, they've, primarily been ESPN plus deals with some weekend games. I think this is going to be like a sign of what's to come. Uh, Not just for the NHL, not just for some soccer leagues, but the NFL. I think you're going to see this continued push. I think you're going to see this in the next NBA contract.
just a lot more of this. But I, I like the fact that if you're a hockey fan and you've been paying however much money, I think it amounts to like 10 or $12 a month. If you have center ice over the course of the year, you might actually save some money here and still have access to all the out of market games. Like to me, if you're a hockey fan, this is a win-win. If you're a casual fan, maybe you care, maybe you don't. But I do think that overall, this is good for hockey fans, save you some money. And it's a good, it's a good, it's a good platform. And for the people who have like traditional cable, it's already integrated into most boxes at this point. This I is, like it. This is the thing, the one thing that would that would excite me. Okay. Tell me who said this today. I'd love to talk to them about it. I'd love to talk about it with ESPN and see what direction they're going to take with it, what the schedule is going to look like, all of that. But from the primary foundational question of, is this something that interests me? Yes, it does. I really want to believe that's Gary Thorne. That's who it is. That is Gary yes! Thorne. Yes! Nothing I don't – I don't think there's anything that would make people happier. And by the way, Bill Clement, who got crapped on by the local affiliate here. Yeah. I mean, I know that he was upset that they couldn't be bothered to let him know his job status. But are you telling me that Bill Clement would uh, turn down the possibility of maybe not being a, a full-time color guy? You you don't think that Bill Clement would maybe consider getting back in the booth for oh, he would do some it. games next season? Like he, he would do it. Let's be real here. So I think that's really cool. I'm glad to hear Gary Thorne is potentially interested. And like you mentioned before, Steve Levy, as like a guy that that could do play by play, certainly is not a bad option. Uh, that is one thing, by the way, that Jimmy Patero did not um, want to get into details on. He said that no decisions had been made on the. Uh, talent that will be used as part of the NHL's telecasts uh, on ESPN, but you have to imagine that they've Jeremy. they've been working on this. Jeremy, huh? Roenick. No, it's Jimmy. Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy Roenick. Roenick. Oh no. Uh, you don't think so? I don't know. You know that. I don't know. Does Disney strike you in this current climate of being the place that gives a second chance to somebody who got canceled? Yeah, because it, because of how he got canceled, what he got canceled about. It would be different if it was some kind of sleazy act that he did to some somebody, some terrible act that he did to somebody, like a sexual, like a, a, a sexual assault, sexual harassment, right? Thing versus this, this is Catherine. this is something that he jokes about with Catherine Tappan all the time because she's like the best friend of him and his wife. Yeah. Okay, so that's it's a little bit different, right? Okay, but because of how everybody is about things like that. That's why he got fired from NBC, but yeah. a lot of people came out and said it shouldn't have happened. So I think, I think Jr. is prime for a return to television and ESPN would be an ideal spot for him to land. So let us know over on Twitter, let us know on Facebook, on Instagram, let us know who you would like to see as part of the TV coverage. By the way, our, our good friend Colby Cohen, who, uh, has done some things for the uh, the Frozen Four and such. I, I wonder, I wonder about our friend Colby. I mean, you want to, you want to, you know what Colby would be good at? What's He'd that? Be a good between the between the the benches kind of guy. You think so? Yeah, I think Colby like Bush does right for NBC. Yeah, I think Colby would be good at that. Rather than rather than have to sit in a studio and answer questions that some you know bobbleheaded 
uh, you know, broadcasting, you know, person person asks you or the producer is putting in their ear and they're just repeating um then you should you know where you're actually there down on the ice in you know in the game and getting a real feel and a sense of what you know how the game's going and be able to express that i think that's what colby's really good at um being able to being able to talk about the game as it's happening i mean we've had the, the luxury of talking to him during games and, and seeing yep. what it's like right i mean he he sees things um that the normal person doesn't see and and to have him down there hearing what's going on on both benches and being able to offer that kind of analysis i don't know if espn sees him as a big enough name for stuff like that but i could see putting him on like your second team or if you're going to have games on espn plus that you know maybe are only going to be regionalized and not so many you know, markets will actually dive into that game. Um, maybe that's a good proving ground for, for Colby. And I think that he would do really well there. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end on a positive note tonight. I'm not even going to hit you with a no, the goalie. I don't want to embarrass you tonight. Thank God. So we will be back. I, I don't know how the rest of the week is going to go Thursday, Saturday um, for a press row show. We're working on that. We're figuring that out. Check Twitter. Uh, we did what two shows this week. Yeah. Um, I think we'll probably do at least one more. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be at both games, but I might do one from home and you'll be down there. So yeah, I'll be there both games. Um, but we will, we will be uh, updating people on that a little bit later this week. So uh, make sure you follow us over on Twitter at snow, the goalie at ant San Philly at joy on broad. Of course you can find all of that in the episode description as well as facebook.com slash snow, the goalie. Make sure that you subscribe to the show over on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Let your friends, let your family know about Snow the Goalie. And uh, Anthony, let's go with the the old thing that we used to do. Give some predictions here. Uh, By the time we go to record next week, the Flyers will have played two more games against the Washington Capitals. Yeah, They will likely based on the way that we usually record, they will have also um, started up against the Rangers, probably one game. I'm guessing that we'll record next Tuesday for Wednesday. So mm-hmm. in those three games, two at home against the Caps, one on the road against the Rangers, how did the Flyers do? I think they went all three. Wow. How many of those games does Brian Elliott start? Two. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't think. We'll go with it. I mean, you got the you got the back to back nights Wednesday, Thursday next week. Rangers, Islanders. Obviously, Carter's got to play one of those games, right? Um, and Elliot will play the other. I, I think. I just think that they need more than one practice day for Carter to get get right. So I think Elliot's going to play both of these games against Washington. Then I think you see Carter play against the Rangers Monday, and then based off of how those three games go will depend on how the split goes Wednesday and Thursday. But then Elliott will play one and Hart will play one of those games. Um, If Carter plays well against the Rangers, I can see them going right back to him again. Um, You know, two nights later against the same team, kind of build that confidence. But I could also see them going Elliott that game and say, well, if Carter played really well, you know, love to see him against the Islanders because the Islanders are the first place team in the division at this point. 
you know, you want your, your best guy going in that game. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Got to remember they play the Islanders three in a row after that. So it's Washington for two, the Rangers for two, and then the Islanders for three. Those are the next seven games. Um, so it's, it's really kind of a, uh, it's, it's interesting. And I would say out, out of those seven, I'll predict that Elliot plays, Elliot plays four. And oh, Hart, I was holding up plays, the four already. And Hart plays three. That's my prediction. Felix Sandstrom gets in and uh, two that now. Now, just so All you right. know, just just real yeah. quick on that. I, I know you mentioned that, and that's the second time you brought up his name. I don't want people to think that the Flyers are really considering Felix Sandstrom as anything yeah. more than an emergency player. And even still, I wouldn't say if something happened and they needed to bring the goalie off the taxi squad, I think they would flip Sandstrom and Lyon and, and and again. I think the whole idea was Alex Lyon's been on the taxi squad for so long. Let's get him a couple games down in the AHL. Yep. Let's get him playing in case we need him, especially since the way things are going with Carter right now, right? Um, yep. if, if it continues to get worse and you need to bring Alex Lyon onto the NHL roster, it's better that he's played a few games and not been just sitting cold for three months. So I think that that's what that, that's what that was all. That was not a demotion of Alex Lyon as much as it was Let's get him into some action just in case we really need him in an emergency. I'm going to end with a five-star review. This one is titled Great Father and Son Team. <laughs> I can't believe you're reading this one. Great job with this podcast. You'd never know the father-son bond between them. What Russ lacks in size, Anthony makes up for with his wit and swagger. One day, Russ will be as cool as DJ Lennox. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, of course, is our former producer, Ryan Lennox. <laughs> Thanks for checking in, pal. All right. Miss Lennox. I, you know, I miss him in the way that uh, I miss a wart on my thumb from when I was in elementary school. <laughs> we spent a lot of time together. Sometimes I smiled, but ultimately it might be better that we froze it, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. I miss Lennox, like Lennox. We should bring him on one day. That could be fun. We'll have to let him know. Anyway. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. Make sure you follow us on all the social platforms. Subscribe to the show. Let your friends and family know. And then the Press Row Show, live from Press Row, Flyers Home Games, will be live streaming. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. Maybe the Flyers make a trade. Let's see. <laughs>